Welcome to the next episode of the Drunken Dice Podcast. No, Peter and Jim were not ready, but I'm just getting the show on the road. Shocker. <laughs> so, we start off. What's uh, everyone drinking? Uh, I just went with a classic vodka cranberry with some Smirnoff vodka. And Jim is a basic bitch tonight. Hey, at least I'm drinking on the podcast tonight. I, I am drinking the same uh, Schufer Hoffer pomegranate beer. I am drinking some actual whiskey, unlike whatever the hell you two are drinking. I'm drinking some uh, Bro Brothers. It is a small distillery from Louisville. Um, it's actually the first distillery founded by an all-African-American family. It's three brothers who founded it. And it tastes like a hybrid between bourbon and scotch. It's very interesting. I quite like it. Nice. That did pop. I, I just want to say, it's weird. You're giving us crap for drinking alcohol that isn't whiskey. And there are other alcohols. Time. Like... <laughs> I'm, I'm not even drinking Baltic Grandman light red. Yeah, I know, but I'm not even like <laughs> drinking like an unknown vodka or something that, or like some crap that tastes like someone made in their basement. Like it's Smirnoff. It is, and it's not Smirnoff ice. Like I'm not, I, I'm That's not true. about to get iced here on the podcast. Like and and it was it was a long time when you came down to visit me. You're like, oh, what are you making? Like making a vodka cranberry, and we just decided to get smashed and, <laughs> and play overcooked. And play overcooked. <laughs> that is that was so much fun. It was... overcooked makes <laughs> the game so much harder. Day drinking vodka cranberries and playing overcooked it wasn't just day drinking. It was just drinking, drinking. <laughs> I, I know, but it started at like noon. <laughs> yeah. And it just continued. <laughs> it did. That is correct. It was it was a great time. Yes, I enjoyed it. Uh, we need to do that again. Yes. That's what we have Friendsgiving for. Yeah. Yay. Why are you saying that like you're not invited? Peter, you're coming to Friendsgiving, right? Hopefully. Peter. No, 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 hopefully. If you get COVID again, so help me yeah, God. You back out again. <laughs> I did not back out. I was told you not to out. come. You should have told your family, by your family, I mean your brother, to not get infected and infect you all. I was, like, feeling really awful the weekend before, so... So oh. you infected everyone. Jim can attest. It no, was I, very fun. The weekend before Friendsgiving. <laughs> oh, not the weekend before the rest of the family. No, no, no. I like okay. with that, it was like, oh, by the way, we tested positive. Oh, really? Three days later, I'm feeling awful. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it was like, hmm, you I get again. So help me, God. You'll, you'll wish you only had COVID because I'm going to make you miserable. Sounds about right. Everything despite you. We have so much fun in spite of you. 
and I'll just be probably laying in my bed feeling wretched. As you should. As you should. Every saving throw you'll have to make from there on out will be so high. <laughs> Never made <Yeah>. disadvantaged. <laughs> he somehow fights after shield only when Peter is deputy. <laughs> amazing how this and, is. and for you and the for you and you alone we will use the actual rules about rolling a, a nat 20 on like ability checks <laughs> it means nothing yep <laughs> yes uh peter you will enjoy this uh i kept using uh, my favorite weapon in another game that we're playing He's using a kobold as a weapon. He did. I like to straight just pick them up and throw them at each other. You know, it's effective. I had, it was effective and scarring for one. Yes. Uh, especially since I killed the one that I threw. The throw. <laughs> <laughs> he was so hurt. I just picked him up. And the guy I threw him at, I was very upset with him, because he had the audacity to attack me with a slingshot, a slingshot and crit me with a slingshot. <laughs> yeah. He attacked a paladin in full armor with a slingshot and had the audacity to crit. So, I wanted to embarrass him. It was almost like David versus a Goliath. Except I could just completely walk my damage off. I know, because Goli- <laughs> this because Goliath... Of- uh, has extra abilities. Yep. Oh, you crit me for this? Too bad, that's exactly what I get to reduce the damage by. Sucks to suck. It was nice. Nice. I had an, I, I had an issue hitting things for a while. Yeah. It, it took me till my fifth and sixth die uh, to and actually you- score hits. And the worst part about it was, all the enemies were attacking me, not him. Yeah, because I was useless. <laughs> They're like, never mind that guy. He's just swinging a mace over there for no reason. This guy's hurting us. See, I get the worst of both worlds. I can't hit anything, and I still get murdered by all the bad guys. Oh, that's because I hate you, Peter. I mean, rightly so, but... <laughs> and taking out the regression on me in these games, apparently. Yeah. Because I get targeted a very frequent. You are big and shiny and do lots of damage. You're saying I can hit like a truck. Yeah. And I don't even have extra attack yet. You don't, no. Next level, baby. Let's go. Oh, yeah. And I haven't even used any of my smites yet. I didn't find the need to because... I, know. I, 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 I looked, and not in the last session, the previous session, which still hasn't been before long rest. I used, I've only used one spell slot. It was a healing word. That was it. Yeah. So, like, we're, yeah, we're going into probably a big battle that we have uh, just yeah. aggroed an entire camp um, to which let is, two monks escape. Which is why I was using all my land to get people back to full health. I'm like, we don't need to waste spell slots and we don't need to be partial health. There's no healing needed in combat. Yeah. Full health now and we'll worry about this later. Oh, yeah. I see potentially a bless in our future or a bane in theirs. 
that both would be awesome. Yes. I would I would appreciate the bliss. Just because then I can start unleashing the smites. Well, we'll, we'll see how things go. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what all is coming going to be coming to us, but if some of the big guys show up, mm -hmm. a, a bane on them will be very helpful. A pox. Say, a pox. bane on one, and I will put my, uh, my ability for the vengeance one on the other. So we have the bane on one, and then I have advantage on the other one. So yeah, both of them, good. Can't I put Bane on three people? Oh, so that, oh, that really sucks for that one big guy. That, he's going to have disadvantage, adva me advantage on him, and if he's Bane. Yeah, up to up to three creatures for Bane. So. Oh, that sucks for them. Yeah. That really sucks for them. As I said, if some, some big guys show up, just Bane them. One spell, Bane three. Just crit one pretty good. I'm like, oh, there we go. And now we smite, so we get to double the die with the crit. Which is best with those extra abilities of the rogues and the paladins and the things mm -hmm. that you can do with attack rolls. Yeah, when you're just adding dice, like you see mm -hmm. the crit, you're like, oh, I'm smiting them. Yep. I get more die, and then double those that I just added. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so for me, uh, if I crit... And I smite, it is 6d8 damage, plus 7, <laughs> because of the magic, because of your blessing, my weapon. <laughs> Which is super solid. Yeah, because I'm a forge cleric, for, for listeners who don't know, I'm a forge cleric. And didn't you give me, like, didn't you give me a plus 1 sword, too? Yeah, that's yeah. Um, like the blessing of the forge every uh, at the end of every long rest. Yep. I currently have blessed your sword to be a plus one magic weapon because you didn't want the plus one to your armor anymore. Yeah. Which was helpful. We Worked fought out. some like Race. spirits and wraiths mm -hmm. and stuff, and having one person with a magic weapon was very helpful. Oh no, you don't have resistance against me anymore. <laughs> Come at me, little ghosty blobs. I will kill you. And I'm just and sitting there back like, hi! I did that. <laughs> I helped. God, that should be a character voice or something. Hi, I'm Julia. Hi, I'm Julia. Hi. Yes, when Marion decided to, we're infiltrating uh, a keep to rescue Peter here, who's got thrown in the dungeon. We're going to go break him out. I am. Completely made up for social stealth, like actor feet, like yep. everything. Yep, this it was a one shot character, and we knew we were going to be doing like kind of like spy infiltration. So I went stupid with the infiltration feats. So I'm like, I'm a fast talker. This is what I do. I can disguise self at will. I can do all this fun stuff. And your spy subclass too, or something like that. Or scout. As a, as a, a scout, I think it was a rogue scout. Oh, maybe this guy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Marion was a... Gloomstalker. Yeah. Gloomstalker, yep. Which, uh, she sucked at the Gloomstalkering, too. She was yeah. having a day she that the dice just hated her. Yeah. But as we're going through, I talk our way, talk our way through. I convince her that this guard is with me because I'm an officer. She wasn't. She's just coming with me. And she decides to open her mouth. 
and I've never had the urge to smack someone across the table so much. Because then she had to make a check that she was bad at. And she rolled in that one. And I'm just happy we didn't have to start a fight there, because I could keep talking. And I was able to get more checks to counteract it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. It was, it was not pretty. It was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I was sitting there... I thought it was great. I couldn't do it. I mean, yeah, you're still in jail. Like, there's nothing. It wouldn't have affected you in the slightest. No. And then didn't I just tie her, like, tie a rope around her and just pull her along? I think it's something stupid like that. At some point, I I think think you did. Not at that point, but I think at some point you did. It's basically a child leash. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I think you did that the session before, because I don't think it happened when I was there. No, I think he was actually in there because we were going through the jail and the inmates and the guards just had to see this one guard with another tied behind him going through. And they all thought it was weird, but they didn't care enough to actually get it. I don't recall. I don't remember. I just remember you guys showed up at my cell and was like, oh, it's you. (laughs) (laughs) You're my rescuers. I'm in trouble. So what homebrew amazingly terrible things do we have tonight? Well, I got some things for you. Oh, no. So the first one is heavy armor, whole body. It it replaces any, any armor, helmets, boots you're wearing. Because it is the Dwarven Exoskeleton. Okay. So it can only be used by small human, small humanoid creatures and dwarves that are, for all purposes, considered medium-sized while wearing this armor. Uh, it's an AC-20. Uh, and gives creatures... Gives the creature wearing it resistance to slashing piercing, poison, fire, and cold damage. But it does make them vulnerable to lightning and force, as it can short-circuit and cause discharges inside. So, a little, little balance. Little balance. Yeah, uh, it increases the strength modifier of the wearer by plus two, but decreases the dex by minus two. So you get, get stronger, but you can't move around, which kind of makes sense. It requires a minimum of 13 strength to operate and gives disadvantage on stealth and dexterity checks, but gives advantage on strength checks. So it kind of, I guess, doubling that down because you're minus two dex and plus two strength, but you're also disadvantaged dex plus the minus two and your advantage strength and you get a plus two. Uh, so, yeah. While wearing the suit, oh yeah. While wearing the suit, an unarmed strike does one d eight plus strength modifier damage. If a spellcaster were to wear this armor, due to the magical conductive nature of the core fragments, the armor itself may be used as a spellcasting focus. Uh, while the suit gives vulnerability to lightning and force damage, any time they receive such damage. Their next attack deals 2d6 of the corresponding damage. 
When did this come out? Or made? Or was made? Uh, for, this was at least posted today. Because this just seems like a much more needlessly complicated version of the Artificer Armor. Yes, but also, let's be honest, this is... I want to be Iron Man. That's, that's, that's what I'm That's what you can do with the Artificer artwork. Yeah, but somehow better. Is it, though? The Artificer doesn't get vulnerabilities. It doesn't get vulnerabilities, but the modifier, like, the positives to the strength is ridiculous. I mean, the ne- the negatives to decks are really bad. Um, so I guess there's a little bit of balance in that, but mm-hmm. um, I don't think the artificer armor gives unarmed strength or unarmed strikes <laughs> a one d eight plus strength mod for damage. Well, my spiky tools is working right now. <laughs> it is not. Um, I know it gets something. That does arm strikes. Awesome. Yeah. Also, don't think it. While you have a vulnerability to lightning and force damage in this, you, the next turn you also get to deal an extra two d six of whatever damage you were just hit with, like the lightning or force. So, even though you're vulnerable to it, you get to do more damage because of that. So the actual artificer only deals one d eight on the the strikes. Yeah. However, on a hit, whoever you hit has disadvantage against you for the next turn. Okay. So this does more damage because minimally you get one d eight plus two. Assuming you have a zero modifier getting into the suit, which you can't because you need her at least 13 to operate it. So a minimum of plus three on top of the 1d8. And when you get to higher levels, you can literally like magically get over here someone and, <laughs> and punch him in the face. That is something this doesn't give you. Yes. <laughs> but there's so much other crap this gives there's you. There's so much. What Plus, what's, the, what's the AC on the Artificer Armor? It's whatever the heavy armor you choose is. Okay, well, none of the heavy armors are a 20. Yeah, but you don't get the negative thing to dex on this. That's fair. You can ignore any strength requirements for armor. It is your spellcasting focus. You can use your armor attachments to do fun stuff with it. And the cool thing is that there's the two modes. Like, you have the up close and personal or, like, the stand back and shoot lightning at people. Mm-hmm. But you can almost choose them. I think it's, what, like a short rest? Yeah, whenever you finish a longer short rest, you can switch back and forth. So you have both options, depending what the situation is. Interesting. Like the infiltrator one, you can give yourself advantage on stealth checks, which is nice because you're aiming at heavy armor. Yeah. And you get a really awesome long ranged weapon 
90 to 300, 1d6 on a hit, and then once in each of your turns when you hit a creature with it, you get to add another extra 1d6 lightning to it. So it's essentially 2d6. I mean, it's all interesting. This also has no requirement for class, so... Anyone could wear this. Barbarian. Dwarf Barbarian in this. They kind of say screw it to Dex anyway. That's true. You have a plus seven for strength. Pre-proficiency bonuses. Yeah, this should, I don't know. This is a complicated mess. Yes. That interesting. It's interesting. A bit of a mess. Seems mostly unnecessary. Yes. Yeah. The next thing, moving on. Still with dwarfs, though. I don't know. Dwarf was popular, I guess. Jose, subrace for dwarf. The mare dwarf subrace. Which, uh, as described, while dwarves thrive in the darkness of the ground, the mare dwarf get, gets strength from the darkness of one's mind. So this is smaller than dwarf, but like psychic dwarf. So they get a plus one to charisma, along with the normal dwarf thing. Um, instead of the dwarven combat training t tool proficiency and stone cutting traits, uh, once per turn, when they hit a frightened, stunned, paralyzed, or unconscious creature with an unarmed strike, they can deal extra psy uh, psychic damage to the target. The extra damage uh, is dealt in a number of d6s equal to your proficiency bonus. So, at level 1, 2d6. Um, unresting resilience. They just don't need sleep. And magic can't make them sleep. They have an advantage on saving throws against being frightened, stunned, paralyzed, and unconscious. So, yeah. Um, but they don't sleep at all. They're always awake. Weird. It's obnoxious. Uh, it's a bit obnoxious. Um, immobilizing magic at third level, they get uh, they can cast the sleep spell. At fifth level, they can cast hold person. Uh, they don't need magical components for either spell, and you can't cast them when you're in direct sunlight. Although sunlight has no effect on them once cast. They regain this ability to cast these spells with this trait when they finish a long rest. So I'm, it doesn't say once per long rest, but I'm guessing it's once per long rest per spell, the way uh -huh. it's written. Uh, Constitution, is there spellcasting ability for these? Um, and then Sunlight, Sensitivity, just like Drow. They have disadvantage on attack rolls and perception checks that rely on sight when... You, 
the target of your attack or whatever you're trying to perceive is in direct sunlight. So that's, I mean, that's just mm-hmm. pulled right out from another class. Yeah. Thoughts? Opinions? That thing really jumped out at me on that one. Like, you know, when we go through some of these and we're like, oh, these are really interesting, or this, or like, oh my god, this is so bad, I need to say something about it. Yeah. This this one just seemed kind of here. Like, it's really just, meh, okay, cool. Yeah. That's, that's where I'm at with me. Yeah. It, I mean, the whole everything about sleep was just bizarre to me (laughs) like at this point don't need to sleep can't be put to sleep and then like the next level up can put anything else to sleep i didn't like how they got a free casting of a bunch of spells once per long rest that that's always handy like whenever Mm -hmm. it's if you have to choose something i would rather take an at will like talk, we're gonna be talking about warlocks today anyway but like with invocations the spells that let you cast it at will are always more important with the exception of something like polymorph because it's just good yeah. but if it's just something inherent you have to choose there's no trade-off to it it's nice to have just a free spell at your disposal that you can oh, yeah. use yeah definitely i thought i i thought constitution modifier for those for the spellcasting ability was weird nothing oh, else missed that yeah that is weird y- yeah for those spells uh the con- constitution is your spellcasting ability for those spells which if i recall is you get a plus two for con as a dwarf yeah in general yeah. i would have thought because they give you plus one in charisma that it would be based on charisma for some reason, I don't know. Like, if you're gonna change it, that's no, no other spell uses con as the, and no other class uses con as the ability. Mm-hmm. So it's just weird. Yeah. Cool. I'm a Constitution spellcasting. I'm still just trying to figure out how that would like, like just like thinking of like lore wise. And how that is the modifier. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I could see do like having a constitution, uh, like caster as almost like a like a a blood mage or something like that, where you have to like okay. cut your hand or something like that to do okay. the magic. I could see using it for something like that, but for this, which is just racial ability. You're just like, hmm. I think Constitution Caster, I think, like, very, like, primal. Like, it's... You're fighting, like, some sort of monster or something like that, that it's... Or, like, if you see, like, almost sentient plants and they're doing anything magical, I feel like that is Constitution-based. Okay. Not... Because... It's a it's a vine. It doesn't have intelligence, charisma, or wisdom. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, if it's sentient, it would have 
something of intelligence, right? It's like partial set. Like it moves on its own, but it's not like. Is that, yeah. yeah. Well, I just have to make the clarification because sentient yeah, things are are a thing that have but some you, sort of intelligence. But you, so. you know what I mean with that. Like yeah. Some sort of primal weird sort of thing that's magical. Yeah. Yeah, I could I could see that. Yeah, that's. At the end of the day, my rating for these are always oh, that'd be something I'd like to do. Or tweak and try, or no, this falls into yeah. the no category. Yeah, this falls into the no category for me, too. Yeah, because at the end of the day, that's the only scale that really matters. Would you yeah. do it or would you not? And I'm right. not. Would I, would I want as a DM, would I want to go through mm. the hassle of making sure this is balanced enough for my game to allow it? No, I don't think the idea is frankly, good enough. Um, so, that's what it is. So, moving on to a spell. Resuscitate. Necromancy cantrip. Casting time takes a minute. Range is touch. Uh, you need a healer's kit with ten charges which this spell consumes. All ten charges? I Yeah. I assume it just wipes out. It totally destroys your healer's kit. Okay. Um, so, you channel electricity and air into a creature that has recently died in an attempt to return to life. The creature must have died within the last minute. Um, when you begin... When you begin casting the spell, and the this time cannot be extended by the gentle repose spell. Uh, this spell cannot restore missing body parts and does not cure any diseases, poisons, or other lingering effects the creature may have had at the time of death. This spell has a 70% chance of failure if the target died after three death-saving throw failures. And always fails if the target died as a, as a result of old age, losing a limb, or taking damage exceeding twice uh, its hit point maximum. This spell doesn't require a material component if the creature died of suffocation. A creature returns to life with one hit point and five levels of exhaustion. The chance of failure when... Uh, used on creatures that died from death saving throws uh, decreases by 25% when you reach 5th level down to 50%, 11th level down to 25%. At 17th level, there is no chance of failure for it. At 17th level, why don't you just use Revivify? Great question. I have to say, like, I see what they were going with this. I'm guessing because it'd be cheaper just to buy a new healer's kit than to get a gem yeah. worth a uh, hundred, three hundred, three hundred, three hundred. I can't remember. Three hundred. Yeah, I mean a healer's kit is not three hundred gold. No, I something like that. Depending where you find it. Yeah, around there. I see, and I see with all the penalties why it comes with. 
I'm confused with the one thing you don't need material components if they suffocated. So you right. basically get a free use of it if they suffocated. Yeah. I mean weird. Yeah. It is. Frankly, I don't like it. I think it is more issue than it's worth. Because, one, like, if you have a healer's kit with 10 charges, great. But that means if, like, something minor happens that you need a healing kit for, you have to sacrifice Mm. a spell yeah for that um which isn't great um there are so many things that like i don't i don't one i don't understand why it even points out that doesn't restore missing body parts because it uh always fails if it died as a result of losing a limb yeah. <laughs> so that was just useless information, really. Yeah, um, he lost an arm, but he was poor. Okay. Right. This is the one said that guy was already an amputee. And then right. yeah. and exactly. No, he lost that limb in the last battle, not this one. Totally different. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I just don't see too many uses for this. If you're that concerned about your friend dying, run run over, or just any cleric, run over to them, spare the dying. Or healing word, which uh, a bunch of classes have. Or literally Um, just pour a health potion down his throat. Or that. Or lay on hands. Or like cure wounds. There are so many other ways to like heal someone, and with this, because if the spell fails, which there's a good chance it will. there's a good chance it will until you're like pretty high level. You just now missing a healer's kit, so good job. Like it, it probably would have been more beneficial to use the healer's kit to try to help stabilize them or something than to use this spell. Yeah. It... So, yeah, I don't like this. The odds of someone in your party not have one of those health things that can raise someone who's down. Have, yeah. If you have a cleric in general, you're fine. If you have a grave cleric, you don't even need to worry about it because he can do it at a distance as a bonus right. action. He's still killing mm-hmm. the person, then it's, oh yeah, I forgot. You're fine. And yeah. continue back to his life. Don't die over there. Cool. Let's let's hit you again. Like, yeah. This, it seems so unnecessary. Yeah. And needlessly complicated. Yeah. It's like, anyone prospective home brewers out there, please keep it simple. Yes, simple homebrew is the ones that we've liked, and there's a few that we've wanted to actually try, have been simple. 
And also something that doesn't have an easy replacement yes. in what's already there. Like this, we listed off five, six different ways to do what you're trying to do uh, before it even gets to that point. Exactly. It's not like you don't know, you don't realize your friend just went down. Yeah. Everyone watched it. And if you're close enough to like start this, because. Unless you be like close. you're actually adding something, what's the point of this? Yeah. I see some of these like in like the house rules too that just seem. Someone just got petty. With a lot of these house rules that I see popping up on, on Reddit or Facebook. And it's like, mm. who hurt you, DM? Why are right. you doing this to your players? Or why are you just an asshole? Yeah. Again, like, house rule, if the if it's not addressed in the system already, mm-hmm. go for it. If it fixes something that's kind of weird about the system, go for it. Or even if you're yeah. trying to do something that is like for the feel of the game like house rules on healing um with rest and stuff because you want a grittier game where people Mm -hmm. actually have to take some downtime instead of like sleeping off nearly mortal wounds like okay but if it's just like oh you're just making our life more complicated for no reason like the one house rule i've seen that i actually kind of agree with that Every time you're down, you take a level of exhaustion. Once you're stabilized, mm-hmm. you're brought back up. I'm like, okay. So that actually gives a penalty to being downed. Yeah. Because yeah. as rules as written, you just healing word them one hit point, or lay on head them one hit point. They're not fighting ready to go until they get flicked again, and then they're back down. They have zero or a hundred. There's no... And there's no penalty for it. But yeah. no, he's not going to get hit double his uh, thing, so I just get him back up, he's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, as the player that goes down the most, I appreciate that it doesn't give me exhaustion, but I can see why it would be an interesting mechanic to use. Yeah. It's uh, not but, I don't know if I would implement it our table, but I understand that one at least. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it could definitely be implemented, especially because like, even though you've gone down the most, Peter, you tend not to go down multiple times in a singular combat. Usually, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those, I mean, like, it's kind of one of those things, like, for it to really become a main issue is, like, oh, Barbarian went down, healed. He just keeps fighting front line, gets hit, healed. Like he gets, he keeps fighting, mm-hmm. healed. He keeps fighting, healed. Like okay, this is just getting obnoxious. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can see that. Yeah, or the kind of uh, homebrew we do for different material components. As long as you have the gold equivalent to whatever that thing mm-hmm. is, it's good enough. You just spend that much. I'm okay with that too. Yeah, it's kind of tedious to find. With certain exceptions, like Revivify, like, I can find the damn jewel. Yeah. But certain things, you're just like, fine, here's the 25 gold, or the 2 gold, whatever it is. Yeah. As long as it's stated beforehand. 
Right. We'll have to get into a whole homebrew rule kerfuffle some other podcast. <laughs> and we'll find can, a way. And then, then I can complain about certain YouTube channels. Because my Jesus. Ear may, it may or may not share my name. Mm. No. Hmm? I don't think so. What are you know. thinking? Making twenty. Oh. Because I know you've had beef with him before. He yeah, he's an ass. And most of his like <laughs> and so much is like so many of his videos are like accusatory on yeah. why things are wrong. And it's like no, it's not always the DM's fault, or it's not always this the player's fault yeah. in these situations. Like things are Things are different at every table, but sometimes there's like, well, if you run into this problem, it's just the, the DM's fault. It's like, oh, no. Go away. Sorry. I, I agree with you, but I would love to be a part of like a one-shot with him, because I love the way he describes things and sets up scenes. Yeah, that, the way that, that part of him. He is awesome. a great orator and narrator. Like, this would be really cool to sit through a session with you. Yeah. Because I think yeah, I just, he would make it really cool. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I just have those issues with, like, those videos where so much of his stuff is, like, accusatory to particular people at the table where I'm just like, you're not at my table. You're not at anyone else's table. Like, you can't just put the blame always on these people. Um, I was particularly thinking of uh, DM Coach. Literally, he has like three versions of homebrew for freaking everything. He he is or has put out a book with all of it. It's supposed to be modular. You could take and leave whatever you want in and out. But like fifth edition is supposed to be simple. Uh-huh. Like there, at some point, I just look at him and go either create your own version and thing because you've written all these rules for, like you're you're homebrewing three different versions of combat rules to change things up like either make your own system or go to another system that works better like 3.5 or fourth edition or any of the other freaking games that are out there. There are tons of t- tabletop mm-hmm. roleplay games. Some which are great and don't get enough uh, attention because they're from small companies that mm-hmm. aren't super popular. So it's just kind of like at some point homebrew goes so far where you're just like so you're just creating your own system, huh? You should just do it. Stop trying to say it's D&D 5th edition. Create your own system. It's okay if you want to create your own system. Yeah. Totally. Just trying to make it mesh with all the things that are currently there. All the stuff that has been play tested and your thing that's yeah. not generally doesn't work too well. Oh yeah. And hey, I enjoy new systems. This is why I'm one of the backers of the new Avatar game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So I'm, so I'm trying to throw my hat in the ring in a Star to run my own Star Wars game. Like I enjoy different systems. I enjoy telling different stories based in those systems. Like, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And once you um, wrap your head around it, the 
Modifius's 2d20 system isn't that bad, so... No. If only we could figure out starship combat in Star Trek. Yep. Seriously, anyone out there, if you I know, know and can explain it, please, <laughs> we will have you on. Do whatever. We just want to know how starship combat really works in Star Trek. Yes. I'm, it's, I'm seems waiting very for good. us to actually do it in the game that I'm playing in so I can experience it. And then yeah. I can know how to do it. Because reading the book is... I just can't wrap my brain around it for some reason. So I love the lore of that game and how they set it up. God, it is not useful. The book is a bit dense. Yeah. The, the one thing the that I haven't is... done yet is I have the new Klingon book and they have revamped a whole lot of rules in that. Um, it's like the reputation system got redone and I believe Starship Combat got redone a little bit. So I need you don't to even know how it is before it's redone. But maybe but, they'll be but, more concise and clear yeah, with it. From what I've heard, it's easier to understand and easier to implement. And so if that's the case, that's probably what I'm going to be going for. Okay. So. Which is fine, because you don't have to tell us any rule changed, because none of us know how it's Nobody knows work. the rules. Like, I mean, I've exactly. put, like, here's the pages for the rules, and here's the things that I'm asking for, but do I know exactly how it's going? No, not really. So, uh, it just got <laughs> to a too. point where it's like, okay, and I think that worked. Uh, you destroyed it. Okay, cool. Moving on. And I'm too busy setting traps on computer consoles anyway. Do you bother the ship that? If our if our ship ever crashes and gets buried under something, it will be a dungeon. Because <laughs> there are traps freaking everywhere. All because of the chief engineer. Yep. And this oh. and this is how dungeons are made. One oh. person gets paranoid and starts making traps and and more and more complex ways to protect their stuff. Mm-hmm. And when you get knocked the fuck out by the intelligence branch. I mean, when you go hacking into Starfleet intelligence, you had best expect something's gonna come back to bite you. Uh, yeah. So, it did. And I and I thought it was a good idea, so I made planning it myself. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So bold. We'll see how uh, happy your uh, your chief is, but we don't get along anyway. No, you don't. She doesn't get along with any officer. And what's she going to do to me? Oh, she can't do anything to you. That doesn't mean that she can't, you know, decide that she's the queen of engineering anyway and change what you did and just not tell you. She's underestimating how terrible I am. You're also You're underestimating she now. <laughs> she is, <laughs> how is, much uh, she dislikes someone usurping her power. She, she is, uh... Yeah, she's quite the person. So, and for the listeners out there, I did not fully invent this character, so I'm not just making this up to spite Alex. This character pre-existed. So. But it was put in the game just to spite Alex. No, it was put in the game no, because no, I okay. thought it was funny, and then it just ended up being that way. That's how most of our things are put in games. Like, I think this would be funny. Oh, this is a thing now. 
So basically, I'm just be sitting here waiting for her to step over the line to insubordination so I can actually do something about it. I mean, that's not a bad position to have with Ado. In- or I can make the duty schedule because I can have the power to do that. You do have the power to do that. You're going to do this? I will make your life a living hell. All I have to do, you're doing it to me, we can well, we can petty each other until it just gets really bad. I mean... Until Article 15 is all around. You never know. Until it affects I just, I just the go there. of the ship and Chief, the captain what? and first officer are just pissed. Chief, what is your defense? Um, I didn't like what the chief engineer was telling me to do. Oh, so you're being insubordinate. Yes. Well, shit. Oh, it wouldn't be that simple. I know. She's got a reason for everything she does. Yeah. She is also extremely thorough. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. That's why I always have most of my things. Hey, we need this done. Have fun. How you want to do it? Give her agency with what she does, and she will generally leave you alone. Yeah. If you stay. You know. At some point, I don't have to worry about too much. I can just have. I know things will run. At some point, we just have to, you know, like stream a bunch of our games so people can understand all of our shenanigans. Yes. I have recorded bits and pieces, but usually my uh, computer just decides to be nah. So I don't think it got the eight out moment with you, Jim. And the one thing I do have that also trumps her, she may be thorough. But she is not bored technology thorough. Yes. Okay. Well, you use Borg technology as a Deus Ex Machina for everything, so. I only use it for very specific things. I don't. It usually involves hacking. Every time there's an option like. Well, can I do something with my Borg nanites for this? Because it involves technology and computers, yes. I want my I want access to be easier. Yeah, you weren't even there, and the rest of the crew used it to their advantage. See, you're welcome. <laughs> I don't recall specifically when, but I don't doubt this. Oh, it, it was the previous. It was the session. Before this, oh week. yeah, when we were trying to, when you're trying do to the... hack the, uh, when you're on what? your Q adventure and you got to a factory and it was like, oh, what are we gonna do? Oh, is Alex with us? Uh, yes. Well, you Alex know, is and... gonna hack the computer. Damn, it. <laughs> we, did we did that. Uh, at some point, when a one shot becomes a two shot, and there are only certain people pushing the game forward. We're just going to exploit what we got to get things moving. All right. Yep. <laughs> Trying to get our gaggle in a in a group and uh, get together on a plan and execute it is stupidly difficult. I mean, Isn't I only had fifth. We only had about like fifteen minutes left, so it was just one of those like, okay, fine, it works. And in <laughs> yeah. fairness to me, anything I do is cleared by Peter. I always ask him when I'm doing anything board technology related to see if it's a and, possibility. And a lot of that times I, I say, oh, you can try, and then you roll really well. <laughs> you can try, and that's a, that's a key for me to say, I'm doing this anyway. Yeah. Yeah. 
However, we haven't really had a Borg moment since I have learned how to effectively use threat. <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Accurate. We'll see. So let's get back to some homebrew, boys. Because we went off the fucking rails. We did. So hard. <laughs> Bless you. So, let's get to an easy-ish weapon. It's a rapier. It's rare. Uh, when it's sheathed, it's indistinguishable from an ordinary cane. And a DC-16 to discern its true nature if someone sees it. And this rapier named Shade, the Coffin Nail, has charges equal to half your proficiency bonus, rounded down, and regains all of them at dusk. So, the thing about this is it has a trait called Shadow Tag. When you hit a creature with this weapon, you can spend a charge to forego the damage and target the creature's shadow with it, uh, this magic weapon. If you do so, the target becomes restrained. While the sword is pinning its shadow, while this ability is active, you cannot make any attacks with the weapon, and the ability ends if you let go of the weapon or it's removed from the ground. You can remove the blade from the shadow uh, as a free action, freeing the creature from being uh, restrained, and the feature cannot be used if there is no light to cast to create a shadow. Interesting. I like this one. It's simple, to the point, has charges. Yep. Yeah, it's you can't just do this. Charge. No. I think this is actually a pretty cool magic weapon. Yeah. I mean, because at most you're, what, three? Because it's half your proficiency, so. Yeah. Like, even at high levels, it's not, you can just be like, uh, I'm just going to use. Strain everything. Um, like you still have to, you know, be careful with. And there needs to be a shadow for you to actually restrain. And there has to be a shadow, which, you know, it specifies, you know, if there's no light to cast a shadow, I would also think if there is so much light from all directions that there is no discernible shadow, you couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. I'm not, I'm not sure, um, I don't know, restrained is, I know, first thing I was thinking, like, Restrained was a lot different from grappled. But actually, yeah, it's so. Uh, speed zero, of course. Attack rolls against it are advantaged. The creature's attack rolls are disadvantaged. And disadvantage on deck saving throws. I don't know what I was thinking it was. I think I'm, I'm maybe I was thinking it was more like stunned or incapacitated where it couldn't attack or anything like that, but. Yeah, no, generally, this is just simple, solid. It's not solid. meant to be overpowered or something crazy like that. No. 
Um, so that's perfect. Um, the next one is the Eclipse Blade, a katana. This is a plus one katana that acts as, like, takes its stuff from the longsword, which is not finesse, um, but versatile. So I guess, in theory, because it doesn't get rid of versatile, you could use this two-handed for a d10 damage with dex modifiers. Um... The it requires attunement. Um, it just looks like the handle. Uh, once attuned, an invisible and nearly weightless blade is revealed. Uh, when it is used to strike, treat the katana as a longsword. Okay, uh, so you have advantage made with the katana while the blade is invisible. And I hit the blade is on the hit while. Well, while the blade is invisible, the katana becomes visible. And while the blade is visible, roll a d6 on the start of your turn. If you roll a 6, it becomes invisible again. Um, if a creature has not seen you hit uh, with an attack using the katana before and cannot see th through illusions, then your first attack that hits them is automatic crit. This seems a bit much. The auto crit thing is what. The, yeah, the auto crit on that first attack. If they hadn't yeah, seen I, I you, was expecting yeah. advantage or something, but not an auto crit. Well, you yeah. have advantage anyway. Yeah. Because yeah, you. Especially when you're giving one of the primary things of a class feature. Yeah. Weapon. What's the rarity supposed to be on this thing? Rare. Okay, so at least it's rare. Yes, but so was the last one. Okay, yeah. This was a step. Like, this is something you gave to, say, a high-level rogue or ranger? I think that would be fitting. But... This is not a mid-level thing. I still think I'm getting rid of that auto-crit. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, that just pushes it over the edge. Like, okay, if it's invisible, like, you have an advantage. If you hit, it becomes visible. And then you, like, are rolling a d6 to see whether, at the start of your turn, whether it becomes invisible again. You know what? That's fine. You're already getting a plus one to attack and damage, and it has the finesse property along with versatile um like it already gives a lot for that it doesn't need the auto crit yeah that's fair yeah but you know that's kind of a minor tweak it's not huge um What was oh? I, f I found a class, but now I just don't want to talk about it because there's a 
it's the way of the White Lotus. But now there's an Avatar game coming out, so I don't care. Just in my file. The White Lotus. So they actually fixed the way of the four elements? Uh, no. Oh. Like, I mean, it all has to do with stances. Um, stances? Yeah. And there are like nine of them, which all do different things. It's just, it's a lot. And now there's an Avatar game coming out, so I don't care. That's fair. Because there's going to be a whole game. If you want to play in the Avatar world, there's going to be a whole RPG tabletop game because someone said, I'm not going to. F- you know, force what I want into another game system. I'm just going to make my own. They did. <laughs> and they did. And it's, last I checked, made over $7 million. Not surprised. I know. $7 million. I just love it. Um, I'm getting so much stuff. <laughs> <laughs> all the stretch goals are going to be great. Uh, all right. So the last thing is a cantrip. Vacuum strike, range of 30 feet, verbal and somatic components, takes an action. You create an intense pressure in front of you, launching it towards a target you can see within range. Choose one of the following effects. Slash, the target must exceed a deck saving throw or take 1d8 slashing damage. Rush, make a ranged attack spell on a hit. The target takes 1d8 bludgeon. Stagger. Target must exceed a strength saving throw or be knocked prone. And then it levels up damage like all other cantrips do. Another damage dealing cantrip. Yeah. Cool. I, I at least like that it gives you some options on what you'd like to do with it. I mean, not tons of things. I mean, like, for instance... The difference between slashing and bludgeoning damage, not a big deal. But, like, in the case of last night for me, where I wasn't rolling, to make the DM roll a deck saving throw instead of having to roll one myself uh, and attack myself because I'm just not rolling well. Um, Or you can do it for the status of knocking someone prone. Which, yep. as a cheap cantrip, is nice to have solid. That. Yeah. So, I like it. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure why it's vacuum strike when you're creating intense pressure in front of you. Which, to me, would seem like lots of pressure, not the lack of pressure. I said that's the opposite of a vacuum. Right. <laughs> but... Naming is just weird. Fine. Maybe their original name um, was already taken by something. So, I like it. It's just... I like the fact that you have some options on uh, how it's rolled and potential status effect. So... Yeah. Yeah, that's it. 
I think that's all I want to talk about today. There are other things. There are always more. There's so much homebrew out there. Yeah. But I don't want to get into fighting style feats that have like seven steps to them. Yeah. That's a bit much. It's a bit much. No, thank you. All right. Well, I guess it's on to our main topic for today. The Warlock. Warlock spells. Yes. I actually enjoyed this a little bit. Because we finally got to a class that has some freaking spells all to itself. Yes. Yeah. Unlike the Sorcerer. I mean, it doesn't have tons. Like It does have a hand... It, it does have a hand tr- handful of ones that are just like Warlock and Wizard, though. So that was... Yeah. So, so can- going into cantrips that are not named Eldritch Blast? I don't know what you're talking about. Which is why I'm just throwing that one out and yep. I'm making you pick one. That's... No. I still choose Eldritch Blast. <laughs> it's the best one. It is. It uh, is for the record, I had a DM that wouldn't allow me to take Eldric Blast when I took Magic Initiate Warlock Feet. Uh, I don't remember what I chose because that's how often I used it. Never. I didn't care. I was using it for actually my level one spell, but we'll get to that in a hot minute. So you chose something other than Eldric Blast. No. Okay. Yeah, Eldritch Blast is just so good. It is. Invocations improve it a crap ton. Yep. Um, Yeah, it's just the obvious one to go. And you get more and more beams as you level up, so... Exactly. Uh, Right, level one spells. Jim, say it with me on three. One, two, three. Hex! hex. 100% hex. (laughs) Uh, which is the spell I took for my magic initiate. Because uh, I was a monk. What did you choose, Peter? Well, apparently the list that I was going off of is incomplete. So Hex would probably be the one that I would pick. Does it not have Hex? I, I hex don't know. It's a quintessential Warlocks. That's my main object class. I honestly don't know. So... Okay. I went with Hellish Rebuke so... because that's what was there. But Hellish Rebuke is uh, also it's still a... Yeah, it's still good. Yeah, it's a pretty solid one, but it's not Hex. It's not Hex. But 2d10 fire damage yeah. is good. Yeah. So that makes me question this list that I have. Uh, yeah. you, I am also questioning your list. What's yeah, the I just... list are you using? It's the one from Roll20. I thought it would be complete. It is not. Since really? my phone is about to die, I'm using the one on Wikidot. Interesting. Yeah. I'm going to use my spellbook app that's very up to date. Yeah. Phone's at 7%. Fair enough. I, yeah, I, I've enjoyed Hex as a Warlock and not as a Warlock with that magic initiated feat because just the extra damage per hit is awesome. 
also like depending on the type of campaign you're doing, the comprehend languages. You never know when you might need to have to read something. Yep. Yep. It can be very helpful. It's very niche, but when you need it, it's going to be great to have in your and Yeah. Going into this, I've weighted certain spells that I normally would rate high differently because of how few spell slots I get. Mm-hmm. So, something that I'd be like, oh, this is awesome when I can cast it four or five times. It's not necessarily as good when I get the one shot. Yeah. I mean, that's... To me, that's why Hex is so good. Yep. Because you do Hex, and then with your Eldritch Blast, which you get more and more bolts as you level up, each one of them counts as hitting with an attack and adds a D6. If you hit with all of them, you get D6 for all of them. Yep. Which is perfect for bosses. Yep. I'm going into second level. I went with Misty Step. Another one of... I don't want to use these spells a lot. Mm-hmm. But if I need to get out of dodge, Misty Step is perfect. Yeah, I did the same thing. Combat, it's great because you're getting beat up on. You can just nope yep. out of there um, without taking the... Um, without taking the attack of opportunity. Um, which is real nice, but also fairly helpful in uh, outside of combat. Yeah. Because if you just need to be somewhere, just teleport the thirty feet. It's a low. It's a low spell level, so you don't need to use something high like teleport or dimension door. Um, which I think is slightly higher. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's so, a warlock, it doesn't matter. True. But you get it earlier. That's true. Um, so, it it's just... I like it both in and out of combat. Great spell. The other, the other one I throw in there that, say, invisibility is always good. Mm-hmm. It's just, no matter what class you have, at some point you might want to have invisibility. Just because... You can always find a way to use it. Can use it. Yeah. All right. Which in our party is me. Yeah. Indeed. It's very nice. Peter, what, did you did you uh, agree with us with the Misty Step? Yeah. Going on to level three. I did um, vampiric touch. Okay. So, I don't know this one too well. You, uh, it, it, I mean, it's anything where you touch people, you know, but, uh, Peter. What? Something like shocking grasp <laughs> and stuff. Anything you say it the wrong way can be taken in so many different ways. So have this lemon. Hmm? Have this lemon. Yes. God damn it. <laughs> I will keep bringing this back up. The lemon the lemon's a lie. It's just an illusion. 
Yeah, I just I thought that Vampiric Touch was helpful because you know if you manage to land a hit, they take necrotic damage and you regain some of that damage to your hit points. So yeah, you know, yeah, it is a good one. I went with a Warlock exclusive, Hunger of Hadar. Yeah, yeah. It's twenty foot radius sphere of blackness and bitter cold. Uh, center on a point, and yeah, no light, magical or otherwise, can illuminate the creatures that start their turn in the area. Take two d six cold, and any that end there must make a deck saving throw, or take two d six acid as uh, milky, otherworldly tendrils rub against them. So potentially on turn 46, they're going to be in darkness. So, you know, disadvantage on basically everything. And, uh, yeah, it's super solid. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. I went for one that's another one you don't want to use it, but and you shouldn't be the primary person to have this job. But just in case, it's good to have in your back pocket with good old Counterspell. Counterspell is always good to have. And it's one of those, I know you have limited spells known, but it's one of those, you're going to kick yourself when you need it. Yeah, there's going to be that one moment where, like, things are hinging on this plan working out, then all of a sudden a spell from the enemy shows up, and you're just going to wish you had that. Or the wizard is out of range, so he can't. Yeah. Say or some of the other ones, sorcerer's ass, so she can't. <clears throat> you don't want to have to use one of your precious spell slots on it, but mm-hmm. sometimes you just need to. Yeah, it's better to use a spell slot and live than to die with a spell yes. slot. Yep. I would agree. Okay, going on to fourth level. So, uh, fourth level for me, which is another Warlock exclusive, uh, Shadow of Moil, which, uh, one minute concentration, and everything within ten feet of you, if it's, it turns dim light into darkness and bright light into dim light, uh, and uh, until the spell ends, you're resistant against rate damage. And whenever a creature within 10 feet of you hits you with an attack, the shadows lash out and do 2d8 necrotic damage to them. I love this for a Hexblade. Mm-hmm. Since you're going to be up in there anyway. Yeah, I, I really like this one, too. Like It was between... This one and is between this one and Sickening Radiance. For me, mm. just I really like Sickening Radiance. Just it like, is a good spell. Anything that throws on levels of exhaustion for people mm-hmm. is good. But it's a Sickening Radiance be one if I'm doing more of a traditional Warlock Eldritch Blast focus. But if I'm doing that next play, Shadow Wild's going to be out. So oh, yeah. Really good. Especially because that 2d8 is just going to happen. Like, mm-hmm. there's no save or anything to that. Like, if yeah, they hit you with an attack, 
No, if you, if it because this is just a concentration spell. So if they hit you with an attack, they're just taking two d eight damage. Yep. And it's not like the, some of the cleric ones that do that, where they have to use their uh, their what's it called their channel divinity. Yeah. To do it, it just happens. Yeah. That's that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Plus, if you're already in a dim light environment, turns everything into darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, so, good luck hitting me, bitches. Then if you have the invocation of Devil Sight, it doesn't matter to you. Yep. Yeah, you can stack abilities and make it real easy for you and real hard for me to hit you. Yep. Peter? Um... So, mine had apparently not everything. So, I found another list that actually had stuff. Um, so, what I was working with, which was basically just from the base book without anything added to it, was Dimension Door, because that was the only good one that was there. Huh? Can't be the base book, because Hex is in the base book. Hex is and I have no idea where Roll20 was pulling some of this stuff. Um, which is very odd. Cthulhu has messed with your page. Apparently. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um... I mean, Dimension Door still works. I mean, still Dimension Door is still yeah, pretty solid, but, um, maybe Summon Greater Demon? You know, it's always nice to summon something and mess with that uh, uh, turn order. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like action economy in 5e is king, so yeah. anything that gives you more is so, always good. Yeah, so that's a so that's one that's helpful. Yeah. And now I need to look through the rest of this to be like, oh no. Well, take your Peter time. Jim and I will talk about our fifth levels. What you got, Jim? I went with Infernal Calling. So, very much in the line of summon greater demon, you, I utter a dark incantation and summon a devil from the nine hells. Uh, I can choose the devil type, which must be uh, one of challenge rating six or lower. Um, the devil appears in an occupied space and disappears when it hits zero hit points or spell ends. Unfortunately, the devil is unfriendly to your companions. And so, you know, it, and it's under the Dungeon Master's control, so it might still attack you. Um, or, most likely, it's going to try to, like, tempt you to, you know, make an exchange for its services. Like, you do this evil thing, you do this thing for me, I do this thing for you. Kind of deal. Um... However, if you have gotten a chance to get a uh, talisman from a devil, you can summon that devil um, at of the appropriate challenge rating plus one, and it obeys all your commands with no charisma checks because the other way to control it, if you don't have that, is charisma checks, which the warlock isn't the most difficult because they're charisma casters, so... What did you choose? I went with scrying. 
That's Scrying's fantastic. Because it is always good to have some sort of idea on what your enemies are doing. Mm-hmm. That, like, generally, the one wizard's probably going to be the one with the scrying on there. But Usually, but if... Even though you, we, as a warlock, you have spell slots out of combat or in preparation where you're going to have a chance for a long rest, like short, short rest or yeah. short rest. Yeah. So like you still have the ability to, to use something like this and not have it just totally drain you forever. So I like yeah. it. That was yeah. a good choice. Rules is written. There's no limit on how many short rests you can take. Yeah. I mean, 24, really. Yes. <laughs> Actually, not even that, because if you got past eight hours, that would yeah. just be a long rest. Yeah, you could take 21 short rests. As long as there's an hour and you're doing something in between them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, moving on to six, since Peter and I seem to agree. Yep. Uh, I went with Circle of Death. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, I had that on my one of my options. Yeah, uh, the other one I had was Flesh to Stone. Okay, so Tell us about Flesh to Stone. Bless you, bless you, Jim. Tell us about Circle bless of Death. You. If Peter's quite finished. <laughs> I was muted for the recording, so it's all good. Okay, that's good. Because <laughs> I heard that. Yeah. I can't mute Discord and the recording at the same time. so That's fair. Uh, touche. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, Circle of Death. Range of 150 feet. Takes an action. You do need the powder of a crushed black pearl worth at least 500 gold pieces. But it is not consumed, so you, you don't need to keep buying it every time you want to do this. Um, and yeah, sphere negative energy ripples out in 60-foot sphere, point you choose. Uh, and each creature in that area must make a con saving throw or take 8d6 necrotic damage or half as much on successful throws. It's just a lot of damage mm -hmm. for a large area, because... A sixty-foot radius sphere is huge. It's, you, you're getting some people in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So flesh to stone is exactly what it sounds like. Um, you can turn somebody in, within sixty feet of you into stone. Um, constitution saving throw. Uh, when they fail. They are restrained, um, and then they have to continue to make constitution saving throws. Um, and it's kind of like death saves. So if you succeed three times, the spell ends. If you fail three times, it's petrified. <laughs> so it is basically the spell the the petrified eye stalk of a beholder does to you. Mm-hmm. Which is awesome. Yeah. And also, if the creature is physically broken while petrified, it suffers from similar deformities when it reverts to its original state. <laughs> so, 
I mean, I don't know how it'll survive when I take off a statue's head, but yeah, I'm excited to find out. Yeah, so, I mean, depending on how you do it, it could be uh, very, very effective and dangerous. You just have to do it with the top hat, George. That's the only way you're allowed to take off the statue's head. Okay. How about just the nose? Take off the nose, make it a sphinx. <laughs> I mean, that could be entertaining. Going into 7th level. Um, I did Crown of Stars. So, create light that orbits your head, and you can... We get 7 of them, and then you can shoot them at anything within 120 feet of you as a ranged attack. So, that sounds great. And it does 4012 radiant damage if you manage to hit. That's good. That's it. That's, That's good. A, that's a very nice boom. Yeah. Yeah. With your luck, Peter, you'd still only do four damage, but yeah, there's the opportunity <laughs> for more damage. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. went with a fan favorite of Finger of Death. Yeah, I almost went with that. Yeah, 78 plus 30 necrotic damage, and if you kill a humanoid, the next turn it's a zombie that's permanently under your command. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Yep. Uh, I decided to go with Force Cage. Okay. Because we can make our own little Taco Fight Club with poor minions. <laughs> Yeah. You're not, he's not in there with you. You're in there with him. Yes. And there's nothing you can do about it because you cannot get out by ways of Missy Step or Dimension Door. You're in that sucker. It's a real good containment spell. It is. I would say it's probably the best containment spell in the game. And just, if you want something right there for an hour, it will stay there. Yep. On to 8th level? Yes. I went with the wonderful Maddening Darkness. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Again, just like uh, just like what, that circle of death thing? 150 foot range, 60 foot radius sphere. uh, That creatures with dark vision can't see through the darkness. Non-magical light as uh well, as light created by spells of 8th level or lower can't illuminate the area. Uh, plus, whenever a creature starts its turn in the sphere, it must make a wisdom saving throw or take uh, 8d8 psychic damage or half as much on a successful one. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of things resistant to psychic damage. Nope. And, uh, yeah, just having that, having that there. Like, even if if you put it directly on someone and they spend, like, their turn running to the edge, you're still probably going to hit them for one more. Yeah. They can need dash, and they'll still be in it. Yeah. That's if they can find their way through. That is true. That is, that's a big... 
I also went with that one with the fan favorite Feeble Mind as the second. Yeah, that was. I love one. Feeble Mind. It is so good. Feeble Mind is great. It is. I like if it. You were, if you were a vindictive DM, and just try to have someone who can cast this sneak up on one of your party members and hit them with it, because they can't communicate that they were feeble minded. That is accurate. It could be really damaging if you were a vindictive DM. Yeah. Also, if I did to Peter, he would just be like, well, there's no difference here. <laughs> I'm getting targeted. If I did it to Tahu, pretty sure I can't feeble his mind anymore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> somehow he'll still say jail. And that pretty much fulfills his character. Jail. <laughs> jail. Jail. He'll still send people to jail. It won't matter. Yep. And uh, yeah, I'm just not that vindictive to sneak up to someone and cast people. In. Although, I'm pretty yeah. sure that our party would figure it out because, you know, Tahu can string a full sentence together. So He can. He's not like yeah. some people's barbarians who, you know, I two can't plus two talk. equals duck. And I killed the duck. Yeah, and I killed the duck. Look, here, dinner. A witch! A witch. A witch. Fantastic. So what he brings is actually a dead witch, because he thought it was the same <laughs> as a duck. <laughs> he thought it was a duck. Killed a witch on accident. We don't make mistakes, we just make happy little acts. <laughs> exactly. Going on to ninth level. It's like he didn't want to deal with my Bob Ross quote. Nope. <laughs> uh, I went with imprisonment. I mean... That was actually the one I went with. Yeah, components are a bit much. Mm-hmm. Okay, a lot. <laughs> uh, because you need a vellum depiction or a carved statuette in the likeness of the target, and a special component that varies according to the version of the spell you choose, worth at least 500 gold pieces per hit die of the target. Which is a lot. Yep. However, you can really commit unspeakable horrors to someone um, by magically restraining them and uh, you know, basically just imprisoning them where divination spells can't even locate Uh, they don't need to breathe, eat, or drink and they don't age in that state until released, which if no one can find them it's until you dispel it yeah well, until it's dispelled dispelled. because or a wish spell should be put like almost at the end of every spell. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and dispel magic can do it if it's cast at ninth level. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and even like just the ending of the spell, like you have to tell the DM how it's to be released. But like, it's not just like I found it. Cool. Like you actually cool. have to, you can choose to do something with it. Yeah. I mean, you can make people 
sleep forever, uh, minimus containment, a hedge prison, chain them up or bury them alive. Like, it's yeah. worth the gold. It's worth the, uh, it's worth all the setup when you really want to spite someone until you're about it. Yep. If you I had can... the gold in the buildup, it'd be really hilarious to do that to like a final boss. It's like walk yes. in there. Cause if, if you've been hunting this person for a very long time or say it's, you know, a deity, right? <laughs> You have a model of them, and you cast it. There it is. Touche. Be really great to do against a party member. <laughs> Just to mess with them. I mean, would we really miss one of our sorcerers who has wings? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> and here Alex thought he was going for the cheap Eltharion joke and nope. No, I was going the Tafu joke. You're imprisoning the guy who is obsessed with jail. Yeah. No, I'm definitely I would make ending the spell have to do with Tahu. Because he is the jailer. <laughs> <laughs> this is the this is the highest capital punishment of love. Imprisonment <laughs> in Tahu is the key to let you out. You're never getting out. Nope. Never getting out. That's over. And you will be aware of this as you don't need food or anything and you don't age. Nope. You're just there. Um, so, my ninth level. I went with Blade of Disaster. Which is essentially spirit weapon on steroids. So you get to cast a weapon with a bonus action. No any components other than verbal and semantic, which is another why it's great. So when you cast it, unlike spirit weapon though, it can take two melee attacks per its its action. Say so it will on a hit, it takes 4d12 force damage. A crit is 18 or higher. And if it crits, it takes an extra 8d12 instead of just doubling the die. So a possible 12d12 force damage with it. And then you can use a bonus action to move it, and then doesn't it attack again? Mm-hmm. You can... Yeah, as a bonus action on your turn, you can move the blade up to 30 feet to an open space, you see, and then make two attacks with it again. So it can make four in a turn. Uh, that's that's a lot of damage. And at that little thing at the end, it can harmlessly pass through any barrier, including a wall of force. Force so... cage a big bed. Have this thing harmlessly float through it, and go to freaking town. 
what I'm hearing <laughs> is in a single turn, and uh, the chances of this are fairly unlikely, even though there's a 15% chance to crit, as yep. opposed to a 5, normally. Yep. Um, you could potentially do, what, 48d12 damage on a turn? That is the max potential, yes. <laughs> That's a lot. Seeing that with no other component price, and you get this for a minute. A minute! So times that by 10, a potential <laughs> 480 <laughs> D12 damage across its life. <laughs> you cast it as a bonus action. Mm-mm. I don't know. <laughs> Somehow that spell doesn't work. Oh, God. That's... It does seem that... slightly broken, but... At that first... seems slightly... At first I was looking at this and I was just like, oh, it's a spirit weapon on steroids. And then I kept reading and it was then started to understand. Oh, my God. This is insane. That's that's not just a, a spirit weapon on steroids, but one that you also gave a bunch of crack cocaine to. <laughs> yeah. And dipped it in poison. Yeah. Because that seems fair. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. 480 D12 damage potential crossets. As force damage too, so it won't be resisted. a lot. Hey, big bad. Meet my weapon. So, does it have to move the whole 30 feet to get it? Up to. You just have to be able to see it. Mm. Made a horrible mistake. (laughs) I mean, technically... Yeah, I don't... This is just... This is ridiculous. Completely ridiculous. I mean... I just... I don't... I don't want to... I don't want to deal with you with this. (laughs) using that bonus action like that's just you you can move five feet oh I used it then yep that seems that seems too much somehow unless it's just which we could be misreading it it could be just follow on you have to use your bonus action and follow on to get to two Unless we misread that. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, like, when you, because it says when you cast this spell, you can make two melee yeah. attacks. So that would be on upon the casting, then I yeah. would assume on all other... T- 
turns, you would have to use your bonus Bonus action action. to move it or not and make your two attacks. So it's not as bad as I... That's still potential 24 D12 every turn as a... That is... Yes. Still potential 24 D12. So only 240 D12 over its life at max if you somehow magically roll crits every time. Still a lot. It's still a lot. It's still a a great spell, but yeah. Especially when the barrier's low. Then it's just like, oh, you have a barrier? That's adorable. Or you put a force wall around them, they can't go anywhere, and now you're just beating them up. Like I said with the force cage. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Got a wizard-warlock combo with this at ninth level. We have the little spells. It's like, hey, you mind uh, dropping it right here for me? That's what we call murder. <laughs> yep. That's just murder. Mm-mm. And nope. drop that thing of sickening radiance on there just for good measure. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could. <laughs> He might have more than 240 hit points. So we gotta find a way to just... You can't escape, so you can hit that level exhaustion eventually. Gosh. Yep. Nope. (laughs) That's why I'm glad you guys don't coordinate that much. People I could coordinate with don't pay attention that much. Peter pays attention. But he doesn't take fun things like this. No, because I have to take all the spells to make sure that nobody dies. That's accurate. That is accurate. That's very accurate. Seeing as the rest of the magic casters in the group literally cannot take any healing spells. Yeah. That's true. In my defense, I was the original sorcerer. You were the original source. And I Peter... had my role that was needed when I got when I came yeah. in. And I was the party healer and I have stayed the party healer and we've you gained have. people and, and no one's people. like, I wanna play a cleric or a druid. Peter, you can take force gauge. You can take what? You can force take gauge. force gauge. Uh, well please. we'll see. Well we'll see. Let's take force cage, please. We'll see means no. I don't remember what else is on that list for the bard. So. It's a seventh level, so you got Etherealness, Mirage Arcane, Mordenkind's Magnificent Mansion, Mordenkind's Sword, Prismatic Spray, Project Image, Regenerate, Resurrection, Symbol, Teleport. I think I already took Resurrection for that. That was smart. You are not limited to the number of seven levels. You can just drop a low one you don't use anymore to take four stage. Don't do it, Pete. It's a bad idea. I mean, I did drop some spells and move some stuff around so that I could have, you know, haste and things like that. But mm-hmm. we'll see. Well, I'm just would love to do this. We dropped the force cage. With the enemy we want, with the barbarian and the rogue, and I point haste on them. 
Good luck. I will watch them crack rabbit. Or twin I twin polymorph them into giant apes. Now it becomes King Kong's fight cage. Here's the vista. <laughs> I'm concerned. I think Alex might be a psychopath, Peter. Look at his plotting. I don't like it. Hey, I plot other things. They just don't usually involve force cages and. Yeah, because you're a normal person. Yeah, because you're a normal person. But I still. Ish. I mean, you did just call me a person. Yeah, I know I regret that already. <laughs> it was not on purpose. I'm so sorry. Didn't mean to get your self esteem up. Master has given Dobby a sock. Honestly, if we had the imprisonment one, I would want to do it to that asshole northern advisor. <laughs> Chief Link of the King. That's who I would want to do it to the most in the game. I can't wait for Friday when we play. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm not going to have enough time to finish the song, but... It's okay. Yeah. It... We probably aren't even getting through the. We probably won't. Yeah. Because I know what's ahead of you. I am blissfully ignorant. Y'all are. I haven't shared with none of y'all. Yeah, this is going to be a. Uh, it's. Won't be easy. Uh, honestly, I won't be surprised if at least one goes down. That makes sense. Very much makes sense. Well, um, on the next podcast, you'll probably hear that it was me. So, like, <laughs> I I may have made this slightly harder than it, but I also know when I normally think that it's not that hard for you guys. So, so I ramped it up a little bit more. Yeah, you do like to do that to us. Yeah, because you're like twinning disintegration spells over there. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you expect from me? <laughs> you're doing ridiculous things, and I'm like, well, that did. They seem fine after the fight. Bump it up again. Or the last time. All right, we've got a new thing. He put in a movable rod on the door. This douche. Yeah. You just cut them out of enemies in half. Yep. But. Yeah, it'll be. We'll, we'll have to. After the fight is over, we'll have to talk about what happened on here. And then, God willing, if we can get schedules together, we can actually stream a game, which. So nice. It would be awesome. I, I do wonder, like, you know, why do one? We could stream multiple games. Mm -hmm. Star Wars? I don't see too many people playing Star Wars. I'd love to know. Also, <laughs> so, I went to my local game shop to buy these books in preparation for my Star Wars campaign. And this is this is, I know I already, I think I told both of you guys this, but this is for them. I was trying to be a good person. I'm like, I'm gonna buy 
freaking things from from an actual brick and mortar store in the town I work in, like support small business and and I asked for it and they didn't have anything for this game. And I ended I was like, seriously? They're like, well we have fifth edition of Pathfinder. I was like, well, okay. Doesn't help me. <laughs> They're just like I mean, to be honest, you're the only one who's ever asked for it. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't even go in there all that often. So you know what? Touche, you probably saved yourself money not having a bunch of this stuff on stock. But they lost my business. So did So did Fantasy Flight, to be honest. Directly, at least. Because, like, one, core rule books, the dice, all that stuff, yeah, sold out on their store. Yep, it's so hard to find. Yeah. Like, these books were on the store, and they cost the same amount as Amazon. It's like, okay. Then I got to shipping information. And I and had $10 it, shipping. Yeah, it was like ten, fifteen dollars for shipping or something like that for a single book. Let alone like I've ordered a second one and I have the core rule book for Force and Destiny coming. And I was like What? Look at Amazon. I have Prime and it's like Yeah, shipping's free. Yep. Well obviously I'm gonna save myself collectively like thirty bucks on these books. Yep. By just getting it off Amazon. Which, I know, some money will still get back to Fancy. Because it's, like, I'm ordering them new from yep. other stores and whatnot. But, like, come on. Really? Like, you don't have, like, the dice necessary to play the game in stock? Like, I already have a set, but, like, I'm going to want more. Uh, like core rule books not in stock it's tons like 10-15 bucks for shipping nope not gonna do it well how is everyone's drink tonight empty yep also so, empty if you have a chance to check this out I would recommend it especially if you like scotch, but not one of the ones that like, oh, it's too overly smoky scotches, and you have started off in bourbon, but you want it to like, branch out your flavor profile, it'd be a good one to try. Sounds good. Y'all know Smirnoff. Drink, drink vodka. It's delicious. Yep. And the pomegranate beer is surprisingly good. Like, originally I saw it in the shelf, yeah. and I was like, this is this looks weird. I'm gonna try it because it's gonna be weird, and then it was like, huh, <laughs> it's not bad. Yeah. So, so if you find it, try it. Thank you for coming through with us on this two-hour journey <laughs> we've been on through all of this. All half a person statistically who's still here by the analytics. We appreciate you, half a person. Hi, Dom or Nathaniel, whoever made it, whichever yeah. one of you made it first. 
whoever put this on left it on while they went and did something else. We appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone have a good night. Bye.